Welcome, fools. This is Taylor Muckerman, host of Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the market each and every day. I'm joined by Dylan Lewis today. It's November 18th, I believe. 17th. 17th. Either way, we'll get there eventually. Um, Talking about crossover week. You're from the tech side. I'm from the oil side. I think we can tell it's crossover week because you're sitting in the host chair. I know, yeah. That, that intro is a little different than what some of our listeners might be used to. I don't have the host voice like Sean O'Reilly does. I don't think any of us do. No, he's he has, got it he going on. He has a on. certain carry to yes. he, the way he speaks. It's really excellent. But yeah, today's, uh, or I guess this whole week is crossover yeah. week. Yeah, so you're joining the, the energy show and we're going to try and figure out what energy and tech have in common. Yeah, I think drones. That's, that's kind of what I want to go with. A lot of people might not rec- realize that, so that's why we're talking about it. Drones, obviously, very consumer-facing right now. I'll get to the industrial and oil and gas implications in a minute, but why don't you kick off for some of our listeners that might only tune into the Energy Show, a little bit about GoPro, what's going on with them, and then and then we'll get into some applications beyond just the consumer side. Yeah, I think uh, GoPro is one of the names in the market that a lot of people were expecting big things from. They recently relaunched. Uh, their Karma line in late October. This is their first drone, right? This their is first their attempt. first attempt okay. at a drone, um, and it didn't go so well, <laughs> as it turns out. Uh, earlier this month, they announced that they were recalling uh, 2,500 units of the Karma drone, mm-hmm. um, sold for about 800 bucks to uh, 1099, depending on which model you got. But um, what was happening was uh, they were falling out of the sky. <laughs> okay. Uh, there, there's some um, not quite some the pa- entrance you want to make to the market. Yeah, there were some power failure issues, okay. and as a result, I, I think GoPro is smart to very proactively recall everything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you compare the way they handled it to perhaps uh, the way Samsung handled <laughs> the exploding Galaxy Note sevens. Um, I, I think that they were conservative, and that was good, but. Uh, obviously, not the product launch that you want, heading, especially heading into the holiday season, mm-hmm. which is when consumer tech companies do the lion's share of their annual sales. You know? Yeah, and even even leading up to this drone release, they had issued kind of dour guidance for the fourth quarter, um, just on the camera market alone, which is what people probably recognize this company as with their Hero series of virtually indestructible action cameras, um, and then the online content management systems where you can edit videos, and, and then basically GoPro can do whatever they want with your content, um, which might be the only feature of this business. So, look at the, these drones now, falling out of the sky. Um, what are they doing? Are they giving people new drones? Are they just reimbursing folks? Like, How are you going to recover from your first ever drone failing? Yeah, this is a full refund situation. They're not right. replacing units, and I think part of the issue is they need to figure out what's going on. Well, yeah, they might not have inventory either to replace because they're probably planning on selling what they have. Right, yeah. and and so until they can address that issue and make sure that uh, on the technical side everything's fine mm-hmm. and that we won't have those power failure issues during operation, mm-hmm. um, they're going to hold off on issuing anything new. Like I said, it's problematic for a business that's looking to make a huge splash during the holiday season. I think a lot of the GoPro bears, or a lot of the bulls at least, uh, were saying, "Okay, this is the product segment we can get really excited about." Mm-hmm. Like, like you alluded to, you know, the uh, the action camera market has not been particularly great for them. Um, I think, in some ways, the action camera market kind of forecasts what we might really see on the consumer side with drones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think time and time again we've seen kind of some of these more niche type devices. Uh, seem like they have this humongous market potential, and people get really excited about them. And they hit saturation a lot faster than people realize because they don't have mainstream appeal. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you uh, you look at what's been going on with GoPro's main segment, the action cameras. I, I believe they're down like forty percent year over year the last couple quarters uh, in in their top line, and mm-hmm. most of the fact there is just because they've hit saturation with the, with that market. Um, some other historical examples that I think prove that out. Uh, you know, you look at Garmin, and this is a company that was a GPS manufacturer and a smartwatch manufacturer. Uh, I looked at the books; they have less money coming in on the top line now than they did in 2007. They were blindsided by yeah. Google Maps <laughs> on your phone, absolutely. And and so in that case, like you know, they they lost out to all-encompassing technology. Mm-hmm. You know that that really just kind of rendered their main product obsolete. But um, anytime you're looking at something that has a very dedicated single use. I think you have to wonder: Are those really gaudy numbers that we're seeing analysts forecasting reasonable, or is this kind of more of a hobby device? Mm-hmm. And with drones, I've flown one or two, and you know, getting behind the controls can be intimidating, and especially if you're talking about a device that costs more than a thousand bucks. Maybe a little bit nervous about being the cause of it falling out of the sky, much less the drone being the cause. And when you look at this industry, GoPro might be maybe the only public-facing way that investors can get into it right now, um, and they, they're which is brand new to the segment. Yeah, I mean, you've got companies like DJI, which um, may, may make the best consumer drone, I'm not sure. It's got some a great reputation. I've seen their market share number floated somewhere between like 40 and 60%. Okay. So, I mean, they, they own the, the drone market. Yeah, and, and so maybe they'll get bought by a company that's public. But at the, at the moment, GoPro is really the only accessible way for an investor to profit if this industry grows. If you're looking at manufacturers specifically, sure, yeah. yes. Um, there are the sensors and everything, right? Yeah, you have a, you have a name like Amberella, mm-hmm. um, and they are basically video processing chips. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the nice thing about them is you are not anchored specifically to one manufacturer or one even device type. You know, they're outside of drones. Um, so they supply GoPro, they supply DJI. Um, they also supply tasers, axon body cameras. Okay. So um, they are a little bit more diversified there. But yeah, I think a lot of people were kind of hoping that with GoPro there'd be some way to publicly invest in drones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you are still looking for that, I would hold expectations a little bit. Sure. Um, just because if you take the run rate that they were on, so like I said, 2,500 units over two weeks, you put that out over the course of a quarter, and that's during a launch. So you think demand's got to be pent up and as and, heavy as it can get, right? Yeah. Um, you say that roughly they'll sell about sixteen thousand units during a quarter, uh, assuming people buy the more expensive bundle with the camera included. Mm-hmm. That that ten ninety nine price point I talked about. That means they're bringing in around eighteen million on a quarterly basis. This is a business that does over two hundred million in revenue per quarter. Yeah. So, it's you know a ten percent increase or so, but it's not something that is going to dramatically move the needle in in a really impactful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we don't we don't know exactly what those margins would look like either. So it's tough to know how that would trickle down to the bottom line. Uh, point is, um, you know, it, it didn't go well for them when they no. tried to launch. Crash and, and burn so far. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. But even if you're still banking on GoPro being a really great uh, drone play, mm-hmm. realize that. They have a lot of work to do to recover, and even if things had gone swimmingly, it still wouldn't have been a huge, huge part of the top line for them. Yeah, and when you look at expectations, obviously the market knew they were coming out with this product, probably baked it into some of the pricing. So now you're going to see some some ramifications of that being backed out of the top line, since now they're just having to fork over some cash and maybe some write downs here in the coming quarters um, as expectations aren't going to be met. Um, so I guess we can turn it to 
maybe the the enterprise side here, uh, the oil and gas industry. Yeah, I will say um, I'm I'm definitely a little bearish on the consumer side mm-hmm. of the drone market. Kind of um, like 3D printing. I mean, you see a t- tons of enterprise opportunity, but it's kind of floundered on the consumer side. Yeah, we talk about the price points. I mean, I, I looked at a study from DroneAnalyst.com. They did a survey in early 2016, so you know, a little outdated. But um, they found that 70% of drone buyers paid more than $1,000 for their devices, mm-hmm. and the vast majority fell between $1,000 and $4,000. That's kind of an inaccessible price point for a lot of people. Yeah, and and I think it makes it tough to um, jump into something that you're like, ah, what's the use case for this? You know, if you're a professional photographer, totally makes sense. Yeah, you make your money back very quickly because it's an added value to your services. But if you're a hobbyist. Yeah, it's going to sit in the closet most of the time. I mean, our man behind the glass, Austin Morgan, yeah. owns one, and he does a lot of video work, so totally makes he sense. Owns, not not the GoPro. He does he, not he own owns the GoPro. A drone no, and, yeah, he's he's much more of a, a savant than that, I guess you could say. He knows the market better than we. That's do. right. Um, again, not a publicly traded company that he owns, but um, he's also interested in the DGI market. So um, interesting there. But when you look at these these drones, thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, four thousand bucks, even. Not so much when you're Chevron or BP, um, companies that have been using uh, drones, not from a GoPro, not from a DJI, but they're using companies that are that are small and niche players that are focused on delivering drones that have these capabilities to inspect offshore oil wells, inspect pipelines, um, inspect construction sites. Um, Intel even has a drone that's specifically made for construction and field inspection. Um, and then you look at Companies that Is, are isn't GE uh, one of the big players in the in the drone space, and they just launched something? Uh, they might, they very might well have. I know that the Internet of Things is very important to them and centered development. So, sure, I mean they're they're definitely in this business of driving technology in the oil and gas space because oil and gas is a, is a very important side of their business. Um, they just teamed up with Baker Hughes in one of the largest deals that we've seen in, in some time in the oil and gas services sector. Um, which is a sector of the oil and gas industry that I could really see thriving on drone usage. Um, some some estimates out there for enterprise use of drones is near 150 billion dollars uh, total market opportunity. So there's definitely some legs here. And for context, I mean that is like a sliver of the expectations for the consumer market. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and when you're looking at this, this is all about cost savings, safety, and efficiency for these companies. Um, some some estimates out there are saying that. Uh, a drone performing inspections of an offshore oil rig could save up to 80% uh, in terms of cost and efficiency versus a manned operation. And what do those inspections look like? Um, I mean, they're they're covering the entire well. I mean, these wells are miles offshore, um, very turbulent waters. So these people, the, when you have a manned inspection, uh, these can last anywhere from uh, you know a few weeks up to seven weeks, and they got to transport fel- these fellows back and forth, um, either on a helicopter or by boat. Expensive. They have to feed them, house them, and so when you look at uh, a job like this taking up to seven weeks um, or seven two-week shifts, even uh, so, fourteen weeks here, um, and a drone they're saying could do it in in less than a handful of days at a tenth of the cost. So, and I'm guessing it's you know a lot less risky to, a lot to less have risky. a machine out there mm-hmm. rather than having humans out there. Yeah, doing and, this stuff. and you can contract folks. I mean, it's somewhat of a a growing. Um, job market right now, where people are becoming certified drone pilots and then being contracted to it's kind of a sweet gig. Yeah, it is. And if you're interested, you can do it on not not entirely online, but you can get a head start online. Um, I believe the FAA 
discussed this in their Part 107, which they announced in January is the summary of small unmanned aircraft rules. Um, basically saying, you know, they can't be more than 55 pounds, they have to have visual line of sight, 400 feet is the max altitude, unless there's an obstruction, then you can climb 400 feet above it, um, and then 100 miles per hour ground speed is the max there. Um, but certification doesn't seem to be all that difficult. So you're seeing folks that aren't necessarily in the oil and gas industry coming on board to fly these drones, do these pipeline inspections, do these oil rig inspections, and it's saving a lot of money here in the sector. Um, Total is uh, even building the 11th fastest and, and most powerful supercomputer in the world as an oil and gas company just to process a lot of the data that, that they see coming forth uh, because drones and, and the, the visual um, data that they're able to provide just is going to be the largest supply of data that these companies are expecting. BP spending $100 million to amp up its own supercomputer uh, in the next year or two. So uh, they're getting ready for it, and it seems to be wise to cater to companies that are making tens, twenties, hundreds, billions of dollars a year, um, where this is actually a cost savings rather than a hobby for them. Yeah, and I think investors are naturally going to worry, uh, naturally going to think like, okay, on the enterprise side, we threw out some big names, right? GE and Intel. Mm-hmm. Their enterprise drone segment might not meaningfully do much for their might not move yeah. the needle all that much, sure. right? Um, I think the way you have to look at it is, uh, as an energy investor, you want to see the companies that you're invested in putting money towards and resources towards these types of things mm-hmm. because it seems like that's what the best in class type technology is at this point. Yeah, and, and absolutely. You're going to be more efficient. Um, there's some exploration type stuff that people are doing with drones as well, right? Yeah, they've, they're strapping on some 3D imaging uh, capabilities to these drones, some seismic capabilities to these drones. Um, and, and when you're talking about where they're looking for oil nowadays, it's not it's not necessarily in the plains of West Texas. It's in the Arctic. It's in very deep offshore fields. Um, so, places where it's not very hospitable to send a human necessarily. And um, these drones are that that might be the the forefront of the forefront right now is the use and exploration. Um, but that's definitely the future here. And because the low hanging fruit is obviously the inspections. You know, you're just you're on the rig already. You're flying it around. You can see it. Um, and, and it's just capturing images rather than analyzing data in real time as the drone itself. So, I, I think that exploration is definitely the future uh, of drone use. But right now, um, the low-hanging fruit is inspections. And that's vitally important because if you look at the, the BP explosion in, what was it, 2010? Deepwater? Deepwater, yeah. Um, movie just came out. Yeah, it did. I haven't seen it. Probably won't see it. Uh, <laughs> a little bit too too extravagant uh, of, a, of a story for me. Uh, after reading a few books about it, uh, I'll, I'll settle for that. But um, no, I think that when you look at the cost that BP incurred, they're still incurring um, because of that. If even a, a small portion of that could have been been prevented by the use of drones and, and more in-depth inspections that can be, and this allows them to be carried out much more frequently too, right? Because if you're saving, uh, if it's a tenth of the cost, even if you carry out five extra inspections, you're still saving off of just one inspection, right? So um, I look at this as as that being the most important part in my mind is is not only um, cost savings, but preventative nature in terms of saving lives, saving oil, saving the environment. Um, so there's a huge implications, not just monetarily. 
just like in healthcare, preventative medicine does the body well, right? Absolutely. And they're talking about the, the companies that are analyzing the data from these drones, being able to then take that and, and use it in a predictive nature um, in terms of maybe predicting where corrosion might occur more frequently based on, um, I don't know, drips that, that are supposed to occur, but they might occur in the same spot repeatedly, constantly dinging the same part of the machinery, corroding some of the steel in the pipelines. And there, and you, you have people out there walking these hundreds of miles of pipelines right now. It takes weeks. Oh, takes weeks. And, and the human eye can miss a lot. So they're strapping infrared cameras onto drones and just buzzing right over these things. One of the things I thought I read... Um, was talking about how it's not only detection, but it's also severity. Yeah, with, with this with this type of stuff, so like it can kind of appreciate the magnitude of mm. of a leak or something like that, which is you know a level that I think humans probably don't have, and that it's slightly different analytics. Yeah, and, and it's real time because you're sending that back to a human or a, or a supercomputer like the one that Total has obviously built the eleventh. Surprised me to see that an oil and gas company has the eleventh most powerful computer in the world. Yeah, um, Total is at the f- the forefront of a lot of things. Um, very big owner of SunPower and renewable energy there, but also still very heavily into oil and natural gas. Um, Are they kind of the name to know in terms of best in class when it comes to this stuff? It seems to be that. And if you're looking at the integrated oil companies, um, that includes Exxon, Chevron, BP, uh, Shell. Total, um, yeah. I think that if you if you want the most diversified internet uh, integrated oil and gas company, um, Total would be would be the one. They're a majority shareholder of SunPower, like I just said, and um, they were one of the first to get on board with the use of drones in in inspections. So yeah, I think if if you're looking for a company thinking about the future and and acting on the future currently, then Total might be that might be that one. Well, thanks for the energy lesson. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so I think I mean, unless unless there's anything else you got, um, I think that does. That's it for a pretty me. good crossover. Yeah. In, in honor of NBA season kicking off recently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who's your team? I don't necessarily have one. I've been to a couple Wizards games already this year. Yeah. They need a bigger crowd. It's, they do. It's, it's not lacking. fun. No. <laughs> I went to a Celtics game last week, and I thought, hey, you know, Boston's close. Maybe it'll be packed. There were definitely more Boston fans than, than Wiz fans, but it's still 36 bucks for the lower bowl. Mm. It's a good time to be a fan. Yeah. Casual fan, anyways. <laughs> not a real fan. Uh, so that wraps it up. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Energy Crossover Show with Tech Dylan. It's a pleasure. Um, if, if any of our listeners have any questions or comments, we have our industry focus handle on Twitter. Um, does Tech have one as well? Uh, we have Motley Fool Tech. Okay, you can and get some uh, some news and insights there. And sweet. Then at MF Industry Focus. And at MF interview. Industry Focus. And um, for anybody more interested in energy, we have at TMF Energy. Um, so so hit us up with any questions on drones on the consumer side, or the industrial and energy side. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Dylan, I'm Taylor. Cool on.